Turn with me tonight to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we'll commence reading at the verse 4. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 4. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus in the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well? and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. 
Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Let's come to verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Saviour of the world. Amen. We know that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from John chapter 4 and in the verse 29 it reads Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ. And my theme this evening is the saving of a bad Samaritan. You've heard about the good Samaritan. The story of the Good Samaritan, well this really is about the saving of a bad Samaritan. John chapter 4 verses 1 to 42 gives us an account of our Lord Jesus Christ meeting with an immoral Samaritan woman at Jacob's well and bringing that woman to herself and then that woman testifying to the saving and the keeping power of Christ. The Lord Jesus one day came to Jacob's well. It was about noon time. And at the same moment, there was a woman approached with a water pot. And he asked her, give me a drink. And that started a conversation. And skillfully, the Lord Jesus used that and told the woman about living water that, that he could give her. And immediately her response was in verse 15, uh, Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And the Lord Jesus responded, Go call thy husband. The woman answered, I have no husband. The Lord Jesus told her, Thou hast spoken well. In other words, you've, 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 you've told the truth. Listen to what he said. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that saidest thou truly. The woman said she perceived Christ was a prophet. She spoke of her religion. She spoke of the Father. She spoke of the mountain where worship was to take place. And in verse 21 right through to 24, you have the, the marvelous reply of Christ. And then the woman said, when Messiah cometh, verse 25, which is called Christ, when he has come, he will tell us all things. Listen to verse 26. I that speak unto thee am he. At that moment the disciples came back. The woman left her water pot. She went back to Sychar, the little village where she lived. And she said to the townsfolk, to, to the men of the city, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Many come out of that city. 
They seen Christ. They heard Christ for themselves. And a great many of them believed. And as I've said in the introduction, you've heard the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, here's another message about a Samaritan. The saving of a bad Samaritan. And the story is well known. In fact, it's, it's told all over the world. Did you know tonight that there's a water fountain outside the BBC in Belfast? And that water fountain has the text on it, John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. There's also another fountain that I think of. And it's outside the town hall in Coleraine. And if you're ever down in Coleraine, you can go and look at this fountain. It's got an inscription on it. And on one side, it's got the name of Andrew and Mary Orr, way back in 1880, who uh, were the uh, donors of the, the, the fountain. And on the other side, it's got John 4, verses 13 and 14. The same two Bible verses. And folks were encouraged when they come to the fountain and they wanted a drink. And of course, sometimes the mouth can be parched, the throat can be dry. And when you come to drink and drink of the water, then you're forced to think. Uh, I'm coming here to this fountain to drink of, of, of cool, refreshing water. And we're forced to think then of the one who can give living water, none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and this is an amazing story. This is a wonderful story of salvation. And we have read tonight how the Lord Jesus left Judea uh, to depart into Galilee. But we're told in the verse 4 that he must needs go through Samaria. We learn from the story that he was weary from the journey. Of course, he was a real man. He sat in Jacob's well. Remember, uh, from Jerusalem to uh, Sychar is about 30 miles. This is north of Jerusalem. It's noontime, and he's there sitting on the well, and the woman comes along. The interesting thing is that the disciples who left Christ to go in to Sychar to buy meat, they had met the woman on the way down. Did you ever wonder how the disciples reacted to the woman passing them on the road? This is about half a, a mile outside the village of Sychar. Did they look in her direction? Did they speak to her? Did they say hello, dear? It's a lovely day. Had they announced of compassion and love and grace in their heart for, for a woman on her own? Did they, did they recognize the woman as a, as a woman of Samaria? Because remember, she said in conversation, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Did they think of the woman's spirituality or, or did they think of their, her, her soul? Did, did they know anything of the lifestyle of the woman? This woman, of course, has made a lot of wrong choices. Five husbands, she's now on to her sixth. Look with me at verse 27. It says, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? It's my opinion that the disciples, for whatever reason, had a lot of contempt for this woman. They certainly wouldn't have spoke to her. They wouldn't have asked her for help. 
And I was thinking, how do we react to people in the community? See, a, a, a lot of people really inside the church, many of us are, are really cocooned. And we're cocooned in the sense that we really don't have a clue of what's going on in the big bad world. And these disciples, they, they certainly weren't aware of the lifestyle of the woman. And they had forgot completely the saving grace of God and the saving power of the gospel of Christ. That's what made me think of the title, The Saving of a Bad Samaritan. Let's think of a few things here, very, very simply and very quickly. I want you to think of the way here. It says in verse 4, and he must needs go through Samaria. Why? And he must needs go through Samaria. We're told in verse 3, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Judah to Galilee through Samaria was a route that was used by some Jews, but not all. Maybe we could even say not many Jews. Many strict religious Jews of the first century, as this woman has said, the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. They looked upon the Samaritans as dead dogs, people to be avoided at all cost, people who were really spiritual lepers, people who belonged to a counterfeit religion uh, with a, a false altar and a false priesthood and a false sacrifice a false place for worship, Mount Gerizim rather than Mount Jerusalem, and they would have taken the long route. They would have went across the River Jordan in the east, they travelled north, and then back west over into to Galilee. And they wouldn't have associated themselves with the Samaritans. And that hostility, of course, went back for centuries. In the days of Christ, it went back four centuries. Now here's the Lord Jesus. And what are we told? He left Judea. What was he doing in Judea? Well, well, let's look at the text. Look at the first few verses. When therefore the, the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea. Now, now where was the baptizing taking place? My assumption is that it was taking place at the River Jordan. And if the Lord Jesus was already at the River Jordan, all he had to do was cross the river, go up north, and then back east into Galilee. But the Lord Jesus didn't go that way. It says, and he must needs go through Samaria. Now, if it's 30 miles from Jerusalem to Sychar, because Sychar's north of Jerusalem, then you've got to add at least another 10 miles on it from Jordan River to Jerusalem. So that's 40 miles by road up towards Sychar. That's about a day and a half journey to arrive. And why go that way? The way here is important. Here's the answer. To save one soul. You see the Lord Jesus knew the Samaritans would not come to him. He knew that he must go to them. But he went to Sychar that day to save one soul. 
You, you think of the value of one soul. We should really pray with the hymn writer, uh, Oh, teach me the value of a soul. You, you've heard of the great Samuel Rutherford. He was the one that counseled uh, Anne Ross Cousins to write the hymn, the, the Sands of Time Are Sinking. He was a minister in Answorth in Scotland, southwest of Scotland, and his desire was to see one soul from the parish of Anworth to meet him in heaven. And he said that, that for him, if one soul from Anworth was to meet him in heaven, that his heaven would be like two heavens. You see, he had in his mind the value of a soul. And let's go back to those disciples. The disciples had no thought of the woman's soul. They, they had contempt for the woman. That they would not speak to the woman. That they were prejudiced in her mind. The last week, uh, here in the pulpit, uh, some of you may have been aware that uh, it actually marked uh, an important anniversary because it was 18 years to the date uh, when I preached my first sermon among you. And uh, in all that time, I have to say honestly that the residents of Killineur in particular have not been queuing up to come into the church. We have not seen numerous conversions, although we've seen some. And I remind myself, of course, that, that God hasn't called us to be fruitful, but he has called us to be faithful. I look for well done, good and faithful servant. But you know, when I stand before the Lord Jesus in heaven, even if one soul from Carrie Duff has been influenced for Christ through the gospel ministry and meets us there in the glory land, like, like Rutherford, that'll really be like two heavens. You see, the Lord Jesus made a beeline for Jacob's well outside Sychar. Forty miles a day and a half on the road. And he had to be there at noon. The disciples, remember, have gone to Byford. They passed the woman. They didn't speak to her. And isn't that sad? You see, it was left to the Lord Jesus that day to think about the value of the woman's soul. We have to say tonight, of course, it's not just the role and the job of the minister uh, to uh, win souls for Christ. It's not just the job of the elder or the evangelist. But let's remember the, the ordinary Joes and the, the average Mary in the church. Uh, and it's not great talents that God blesses. It's great likeness to Christ. And while we may not have many talents, and while we sort of say, well, I'm weak and I'm this and that, and another and the Lord could never use me. Um, the truth is he can. And the truth is that he does. Remember what we read in Acts chapter 8. Uh, and in the verse 4. A very important text. Therefore they that were scattered abroad. Went everywhere preaching the word. And the word preaching there. Is the word to do with gossiping. Telling and talking to others. To all who will listen. Why do we come to church on a Sunday evening? Y yes, I, I trust it's to hear the gospel. Yes, I trust that it's to learn the gospel. But I have another reason. And that's so we can be excited 
by the gospel, that the gospel can grip our hearts and minds. And you know, if we have learned the gospel and we have an ear for it and we get excited by it, then we should want to share the gospel with others. And we can endeavor then to to bring other souls in. It was Charles Haddon Spurgeon that preached a marvelous sermon using the title, All At It. Can you imagine that going out in the press? All at it? What are they all at? Everybody wants to come and hear all at what, Mr. Spurgeon? And of course, it was all at the work of evangelism. It was teamwork. Together, everyone achieves more. The Lord Jesus took a route that nobody else was taking. If he was at Jordan, the quickest route for him was to cross over to the east side, to travel north, and then to go back west into Galilee. But he didn't, because he had a love and compassion, and he knew the value of a soul. The way here is mentioned. Very quickly, I want you to think of the, the woman here. It, it, it says in verse 7, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Now, let me tell you something about this woman. This woman was alone. She was by herself. There was nobody else with her. That was a very strange thing. And if you had been in the land of Israel in the first century and saw this, you'd have thought, that's very strange. Because the woman from the village would normally have come together at least two or three or or four or five. They'd have come early in the morning or they'd have come later in the evening. But they would never have come at noontime. Why was the woman coming alone at noontime? What do you think? Was she the subject of gossip? Was it the other woman didn't bother with her? Was she being ostracized even in the village? On top of that, she was a Samaritan. And in fact, she says here, um, how is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which I'm a woman of Samaria? For the Jews, here's the reason, have no dealings with the Samaritans. Verse 9, the Jews, as I've said, would not speak or to have contact with Samaritans. They were spiritual lepers, dead dogs. They belong to a counterfeit religion. And on top of that, then you've got the woman's immoral lifestyle. I believe that the Lord Jesus was well aware of this woman's sins. He he said to her, go call thy husband and come hither. Verse 17, and the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. And then he added, for thou hast had five husbands. Now, Now we'll pause there. Five husbands, do you know what that means? The woman was married and divorced five times. See, divorce is not a new subject in the 21st century. And multiple marriages and multiple divorces is not a new thing. Here it is in the Bible. This woman from Samaria. And we're told, And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that thou hast said truly. In other words, um, th- 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 this woman was cohabiting with a man. In the days of the Lord Jesus, husbands divorced their wives for the most flimsiest of excuses. As I've said, this woman was married and divorced five times, put away five times. How did she feel about herself? The man she's now living with was not her husband, just living with him. Cohabiting, as I've said, nothing new, an immoral Sinful woman. 
Woman's lifestyle was apart. There, there was another thing that was against her. And on top of that, she was a woman. The disciples are amazed. The Lord Jesus is talking to a woman. If you go back to verse 27, it says, and upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. And yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? Think of the word marvel that he talked to a woman. This was not just a question of race, but this was a question of gender. The woman was at a, a, a disadvantage. She was alone. She was a Samaritan. She had a sinful lifestyle. And she was a woman. And yet the wonderful thing it is, despite all these things that were as against her, the Lord Jesus went to this woman to where she was with the intention of saving her precious soul. And, and, and you know tonight, you and I are just as sinful. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, the heart is deceitful and above all things desperately wicked. Who can know it? We're just as bad in the sight of God. We, we all deserve hell. No man deserves to be saved. We all stand in need of mercy. As far as God is concerned spiritually, outside of Christ, we're alone. Uh, we're, we're, we're like aliens in the sight of the Almighty, as well as enemies, and as well as ungodly, and as well as without strength. And yet the wonderful message is, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Not only the way here and the woman here, but, 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 but think of the words here. The Lord Jesus started a conversation. And it started in verse 7. Give me the drink. And it went right up to verse 26. When he said, I that speak unto thee am he. Now I want you to see something here very quickly and simply on the surface. He took the initiative. He spoke to the woman. And surely nobody can be saved until the Lord Jesus comes and speaks and we hear his voice and he begins to reveal himself to us. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the, the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and he implants that word upon the heart and mind and he causes to think, give me to drink. Now remember, he's weary, probably thirsty. He's at Jacob's well. Young people, have you ever thought, why didn't he just perform a miracle? Why didn't he say, I want the water to come to the top of the well, even though it's deep? And then he could drink. Could I tell you the answer? The Lord Jesus never, ever performed a miracle for his own benefit or his own good. He, he wouldn't change the, the, the stones into bread, even though he was hungry at the suggestion of the devil. He wouldn't bring the water to the top of the well here even though he was thirsty because he only ever performed a miracle for the benefit of others to reveal his deity and to reveal his glory and power. He was not self-motivated. He was selfless. He was unselfish. He only did those things that pleased the Father. But you know what got the woman's attention? A Jew, she was a Samaritan. He was a man, she was a woman. There was really no common ground. That There was no reason to talk. That There wasn't really much that she could agree on. But he got her attention, not by um, offering her something that she needed to know, but asking her for a drink. 
And that developed into a conversation about living water. Living water. She, she, she was amazed. Give me to drink. You, you want to drink out of my drinking utensils? That's unthinkable for a Jew to do that for a Samaritan. Why? And it was all for this purpose, to talk to her about living water. He talked to her about the gift of God, how that the living water that he can provide will uh, spring up into everlasting life. And it's all a, a symbol, of course, of his wonderful salvation. The woman wanted this living water. She came convinced that she needed it. Uh, and uh, it was to meet the deepest level of her need uh, uh, and to uh, deal with the, the problem of sin. Here was his solution for sin. The woman was brought to trust Christ. And in fact, she said, and by way of testimony, as we have thought about 29, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Notice something else in closing. There's a water pot here. Look at verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city. And saith to the man. Why did she leave her water pot? She'd come for water at noontime. Probably needed water for her and the man she was living with. And I don't know if she had any children. It's not mentioned in the Bible. Maybe there was other relatives. But she left the water pot. She came carrying it. And she left it. Isn't that what the Bible says? The woman then left her water pot. Why? Could, could I suggest this in closing? She committed the water pot to Christ. She wanted Christ to keep the water pot safe. She had every intention of coming back. And of course the Lord Jesus keeps that which he saves. And Paul say in Second um, Timothy uh, chapter 1 and the verse 12 he, he made a, a, a tremendous uh, statement there um, coming near the end of his journey he was thinking about not only life and death thinking about eternity he says for the which cause I also suffer these things nevertheless I'm not ashamed for I know him I've believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day if the Lord Jesus saves us he keeps us it's not we that keep ourselves some people say, well, I'd love to be saved, but I could never keep it. And that's right, you never could. But you don't have to, because the Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the one that does the keeping. And the Lord Jesus, of course, will not lose any souls that, that the Lord Jesus saves. Uh, doesn't the Bible tell us there in John chapter 10 uh, and in the verse uh, 27, uh, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. It's the shepherd that does the keeping. She, she committed the water pot to Christ. And she came back for it. She had left it empty. I'm convinced that she came back expecting it to be full. You think of the many souls that come to Christ and commit their soul to him for safekeeping and trust him as Lord and Saviour, have the sin question dealt with, believe that Christ is the promised Messiah, the Son of God. And what does Christ do? He, he empties them 
that he might fill them. And fill them with himself. Fill them with the living water of salvation. One final thought. Our time is gone. There's a witness here. In verse 39 to 42, uh, the woman went back to the town. Uh, She encouraged the men folks to come and hear. Uh, A man that told me all things that ever I did. And she says, is not this the Christ? The promised Messiah. The woman made the most of the opportunity. And we would want to reinforce that. The time for harvest is now. Not four months. We've been given the task of, like this woman, if we've got a testimony to the saving and keeping power of Christ, to, to preach the gospel to a lost world. Before Jesus returns in power and glory, time is short. And we need a team of workers. And we need those that will be real workers for God. And, and there's a great harvest that was taking place here. And it was a harvest with one soul. And then that one soul won many souls. And then many others came and heard Christ for themselves. And believed in Christ to the saving of their souls. The poor disciples were preoccupied And they had forgotten about the harvest. Let's think about the great harvest in our families. The great harvest among friends and family. The great harvest in the community. We could invite souls to come in on a Sunday evening to hear the gospel. We we could pray for them if we have invited them. We could bring them with us. And then we look to the Lord to do a mighty miracle of grace. Who who knows if, if one soul deep died in sin got saved and carried off, that that would be a tremendous break to bring many. It's my prayer that even the stoutest sinner would come to Christ and be a trophy of grace for many. May the Lord bless these few words to our hearts this evening.